Hey everyone, and welcome to the Splatsploitation Book Club podcast, my podcast where I invite a member from the extreme horror and splatterpunk community onto the show to chat about a book they enjoy. Uh, with me this week, I have Otis Bateman returning. Welcome to the show again, Otis. Hey, good to be back. Stephen, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. I've been uh, taking a bit easy these last couple of weeks and just working on some shorts rather than the next big one. But... I hear you. That I don't time blame of year. you. <laughs> yeah. You've been busy all, all year anyway, so it's good to kind of recharge the batteries. Exactly. Yeah. My idea of a rest is writing shorts rather than like novels. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. hey, you're, you're still working, so there we go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, before we get started on the book this week, um, what have you been up to since the, the last podcast appearance? Um, I've been up to quite a bit. Um, as people may or may not know uh my newest book was uh my vice is your unfathomable agony and uh hardware tony seems to hit it off pretty good with the hardcore horror crowd (laughs) and uh pretty pleased with that book i as you know i took a lot of extra time with that in terms of uh edits and uh, just not pushing it as fast out as others and i think that paid off very well um Thanks to everyone that's read it, uh, reviewed it, or brought it up. I really appreciate all the kind words for it. And and I have heard you all well, loud and clear. There will be a Hardware <laughs> Tony sequel coming down the pipeline. Just don't know when just yet. But he will be back and crazier than ever with a little bit bigger uh, story. Delves into his past. I know some people were excited about that. Um also, as people may or may not know, I am working on Judith's uh, prequel to her, uh, one of her probably best-selling books, No One Rides for Free. Uh, this one's No One Rides for Free Zero, uh, Absolute Chaos. So it's a prequel type story where uh, the man is up to his no good uh, shenanigans mm-hmm. again. Uh, this time he's in tow with a character uh, that's equally as repellent and gross named uh, Buster Delgado. Uh we have a whole new group of kids off to fight the big one. And yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, going to be a wowing book. I put <laughs> like probably some of the craziest stuff I've ever written in it. That's not trying to hype it up. It's definitely going to be an insane book. Judith's half was already crazy as hell. So and it's going to be massive. It's, it's already big. So without and i'm going through right now uh final time before i send it off to judith so it's already at like close to seventy thousand words i think and the uh, oh, first one was just a 10-day challenge <laughs> probably i think it was 71 pages maybe if i remember right it wasn't very long no so, i read yeah. it once in which i won't be doing to a seventy thousand. no <laughs> no you won't because i can only assume that the page uh, number will be going up so that's exciting uh that should be sometime in the new year uh i can't wait for people to read that uh and last but not least right after i finish zooming that thing off to judith uh, i'll be cracking into ensuring your place in hell part two with yeah. uh myself obviously stephen cooper and uh and yeah we are definitely excited and erica sorry she'll be with <laughs> us and we're doing two stories this time each so a lot bigger book a lot crazier book uh i feel the stories will be crazier so my first uh, one definitely is i don't know about yeah. the second yet <laughs> uh, my first one's gonna be funny crazy like insane and the second one's really mean spirited and horrific so i think that'll be a good uh a good way to do it so yeah i think that's what i'm going for as well i think one's incredibly mean and the other one should hopefully be quite funny but disgusting <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i was going with too so we'll see we'll see so that'll be fun uh i can't wait to get started on that too so yeah that's kind of where i'm at i've also got a short story that's going to be a judas uh anthology uh, scraps hmm. uh that'll be fun that's a pretty crazy over-the-top story uh very gross uh not uh, some violence in it but it's mainly uh told as a uh hyper gross out tale so <laughs> about two cowboys that venture to a a whorehouse that uh they're gonna regret going to i'll tell you that much <laughs> but the rest will be you'll have to wait and see when that comes out so yeah that's what i've been up to it's been, been busy yep. year 
2023 almost in the in the can so yeah by the time this comes out i think we'll be yeah like a week away so yeah it's crazy how fast time went this year yeah i spent most of it riding <laughs> yeah same as you yep that's what that's how that's our life now so yeah but i don't mind it's fun so yeah Yeah, no, well, it sounds like you've got a lot of very cool stuff coming out. thank you i try And yeah, and yeah, Unfathomable is fantastic and it's great seeing the response to it as well. Like, it's really cool seeing everyone kind of wanting more hardware Tony, like you said. So. yeah yeah and i'm jotting stuff down every day like horrible ways to kill people so don't worry <laughs> <laughs> it, hopefully it'll eclipse everything but that the the diarrhea waterboarding chapter is always a big standout for people so i yeah. hopefully can replicate something that horrible but i don't know that was a that was a that was a good one <laughs> Got to go for the crazy chapter <laughs> titles again as well. yeah i will they'll be crazy this time for sure even even more so i think so i i got a kick out of that once i got to that part the killing <laughs> chapters i was like let's just go crazy with these these chapter titles so that'll be making a definite comeback because that was fun to do yeah. <laughs> good, good. Uh, so yeah, the um the book we're going to talk about on this episode then is Chandler Morrison's Human Shaped Fiends. Yay. Uh, <laughs> there will be spoilers um just for anyone who hasn't read the book um there's a fucking crazy ass book anyway so even if we Yeah. explain it you still need to read it because Yeah, you kind it's of one got of the to books read you got it to to get read yourself. it It's 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 insane and it shouldn't it shouldn't do good like it does, but yeah, that's a it's a zigger of a story. It's great. um <laughs> uh, so yeah just uh before we get started um Obviously, again, kind of like why this one? I know it had a bit to do with the fact that I was just about to read it anyway, but kind of what made you want to chat about this one? Because you actually brought it up quite a long time ago as well doing this one. So. Yeah, I actually did. Well, it's no surprise, you know, huge fan of Chandler and his work. Um, it was a toss up what I wanted to do for the the, the inaugural episode of, you know, the podcast. Uh, Hmm. I went with uh, Dead Inside just for the fact it's it's name recognition. But I feel like uh, most people probably if they grab a Chandler Morrison book, they're going to start with Dead Inside more likely. Um, but I think this book, in my opinion, is a close second. Uh, in terms of like readability, gore, humor, it, it it does a lot of extra fun things that you're not expecting when you're when you're thinking I'm picking up a splatter western book. This is not a splatter western book like you've ever read before. Um, it, it's very funny how it comes together, and we'll get into that. But uh, the book is uh, the, the book is special to me because I think it works on so many different levels. Uh, it works as a gore book. It works as a Western. It also works as metafiction, uh, you know, just so much. And like, he's able to weave like his beliefs of his work, his fans, um, just in an interesting way, I think. Um, so yeah, this book is probably easily my second favorite and that's why I wanted to do it. And I'm glad that you were able to have me on and we could, uh, talk about it, uh, because I think it's a book that's kind of underrated in his, uh, in his books. I don't think as many people have read it. Um, and I think if you, you like his work, you're going to really like this book because it's his, it's his brand all over it. And yeah, you, and you'll see when we start talking about, uh, I love this Um, book. Super fun. so I'm guessing I like, I don't know the order of his work. I'm guessing this was a little bit in, right? He'd already done a few books. Yeah, uh, I believe I believe if I uh, if I had to remember his order of books is something like Just to See Hell, um, Hate to Feel. I want to say Dead Inside was the third, but Yeah, I could be because wrong. he mentions Dead Inside a lot, doesn't he, in this book? So, Yeah, um, so and as then. someone who was kind of a fan of his work at the time, I'm assuming you probably heard in advance he was doing a Splatter Western. Yeah, Like, and, and it made what was and your it initial reaction to that? Were I was you like, well, like how are we how's gonna. he going to do this? Like, I was like, how's he going to do this? It's like he, 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 uh, he has a certain aesthetic that he likes to have. And it's like that aesthetic will not work in the old West. So there's, you know, that type of Chandler story gets paused, but gets reintroduced when it, he has these, I think, brilliant, uh, meta episodes or interludes throughout. They're not every time, but there's quite a few, I think nine or 10 where it just delves into Chandler's life. Yeah. Hmm. and his uh 
just how his life is and things he's worrying about. Because in the book, in his interludes, he's worried about getting this splatter western out, and he doesn't know how to write a splatter western. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, "What does all this have to do with anything?" What I'm, I'm including these meta chapters, but like, you know, the publisher doesn't know I'm doing this, so they may <laughs> or may not like it. But I'm Chandler Morrison, so they had to expect something. So <laughs> it's very funny super witty those parts yeah. um that's where like the more typical chandler style uh shines bright the western is like a more uh clinical the way that the the voiceover narration kind of of it is it's very um cold brittle like uh like a brutal just style like it's interesting and he even touches upon like that to like uh autumn christian like his in in his interludes about like she's like yeah dude that's really tough to write in that style because he's like saying i want to jump into like the point of view of any given character at any given moment so it's it's a fun book um very violent very uh hateful very <laughs> uh depressing um in, in the western parts um there's no good people everyone's bad um oh it's trying yeah <laughs> he's but, trying uh, to be good <laughs> maybe we'll say well, he tried a little bit but, but yeah um just a, i just think it's a great book that needs to be read more to be honest yeah i, was, I thought it was fantastic i loved the obviously the kind of the splatter western story i thought was told really well i think he did write a really good splatter western mm. and then obviously the meta stuff's amazingly funny um and it was interesting that i thought that he managed to kind of leak a bit into it right like he'd done the whole kind of like people of color sort of thing that he kind of yeah. fit into the book somehow but talked about it in the meta that is stuff. Funny. like yeah don't know how he sneakily weaved that into it like i thought it was quite funny that he did blur the lines between the meta and the western somehow yes. like, yeah he uh he included himself in like kind of like the more traditional way of talking about the past in a way like where people you know don't wish to use like say that you know the n-word or you know yeah. things that were obviously used quite a bit like he changed like Edward alley to bipoc alley for uh you know <laughs> for black indigenous people of color which was not a term used back then obviously <laughs> not used or, 200 years ago. or his uh or for idiots or idiots back then he turned it to uh persons with disabilities <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> it's very funny because then he'll have like a, a reader like a girl a, a girl acquaintance or like somebody's banging and and in the story like like you're the worst white person ever writing this or it's <laughs> like those words didn't even exist and aren't you doing a disservice to like the past uh, and like interesting things are brought up because i feel like chandler knew well if i do it like this someone will be like well hey you're just like burying the past but then he could touch upon it and be like, well, no, I'm doing it like how I would want it, you know. So he gives right. his reasonings for it. And I think it's a very smart way to kind of like uh, answer your critics when, you know, a writer probably usually can't answer his critics, really. I feel you know, it was so just he... effective because it's the only real humor in the Western side of it, right? Yeah. Like you're reading it and suddenly it's like, oh, the man needs his person with disability. And you're like, wait, now what? Like right. you remember you're reading the Western part of it and you're like, but they don't talk like that. Phil. It's right. Sean like, has explained it the chapter before or whatever that he doesn't want to write that. Like it's, it's very, very clever. Yeah, it is because then he'll still even have it like where the, the, the special person slathering themselves in excrement <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's all ridiculous. And like, they're still yeah. acting like raving idiots, but he's like, my words, the intent of my words is more important than just saying well they're still like lathering themselves in excrement oh uh, yeah because he gets caught on it doesn't he in the back yeah because they say well like... they're like well he's still being an idiot he's still doing <laughs> this and he's like well it's the words that matter you know uh, so i thought that was really funny like he he answered any kind of it was kind of like how like an eight mile the final battle with eminem and uh, papa doc he uh he does a whole rap where it's everything that the other rapper was going to use against them and dog about to the crowd, but he took that power away. And so like yeah. when it was the dude's turn to rap, he had nothing to go on and everyone basically booed <laughs> him. 
And I gave it to Chandler for doing that because he addressed everything that someone could possibly read this and be like, well, this is stupid. Why is this? Why is this? And he's like, well, here. In the interlude, <laughs> it's explaining it. So I don't know. I think it was a really, really smart, smart book, a uh, very mm. funny book. And I just like that he's still like, it's so bad that he could still address possible critics or people like wondering why I do it <laughs> like this. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, I've not really read too much. Like I've done a review for it on the um, channel. Just a quick review. And the only book I can remember was, um, obviously it's going to be loads for other people have read, but the only one I've really read was um, Damon Manx done it in a book with um, James Carlson, where they done a story each. And he done one that was like this post-apocalyptic story. Mm -hmm. And then like he um, done himself like writing it as well. And it was kind of quite interesting, but it wasn't as kind of, separated i guess as chandler's like chandler's yeah. was like a day in the life of chandler morrison rather than like yeah you know kind of working on like linking them together or something like it was just yeah i don't know i really enjoyed the way he done it i thought it was yeah like when i was initially told it was quite meta and well i'm like i don't know what you mean like how's that gonna work and then you read it and you're like man that really worked but i could not explain to anyone how this really worked yeah like if you try to explain that book so it'd be like that ain't gonna work. Then they read the book and they're like, "Oh, it works." It's like crazy. Yeah. It shouldn't work, but it works great. Yeah, and that's why it's like I want it read more because it's like it's really brilliant. It's, it's very funny. Uh, it's very brutal. It's a, it's everything you could want in like an extreme type of story. Yeah, I mean, Chandler even tells you that, right? Like his second interlude, he's got a little checklist where he's like, "Right, incest, gore." Like... Yes, he's giving like, yeah. the fans what they want. He giving the fans what keep... they want. On brand. Definitely did. Yes. And I do like that because that is interlude too. And that's uh when he talks about uh, you know, full meta and just like how like he names all these authors that, you know, go go that way. And uh, he only mentions Stephen King and this part's hilarious. And it's like he was uh I can't remember, maybe it was Brian Asman or something. Like he was doing Yeah, that. he was talking to Brian Asman, yeah. Yeah, and he was putting out this some ridiculous book. I wish I would have wrote down what it was called, Surfer Dudes in Hell in Space. Something, or like, something that. like that. Yeah. But uh he's like The only one I've read of his is that like Nunchuck one, like that Nunchuck City thing sort of thing. So I was kind of picturing <laughs> it within that <Yeah>. world. <laughs> That's funny. And I just love how it's like uh, that don't really lend itself to horror. And then Chandler like clutches his pearls and he goes, "I'm not a horror writer." <laughs> like it's satire. And he's like, "Dude, did you didn't you sign up to do a horror western?" He was like, "With supernatural elements." And he's like playing it off like, "Well, it doesn't have to be like horror." And he says like, "Well, what about the vampire one?" He's like, "Well, they're not real vampires." And then, <laughs> well, what about dead and dead inside? He's like, "Well, well, that was satire." And it's like it's just so funny. It's like because that's stuff like that everyone knows in real life is like what he says you know so it's, yeah. it's cute and funny like no one no one thinks dead inside like like he does about it you know? it's <laughs> like it's like this is one of the top extreme horror splatterpunk books ever written and i'm it's just funny that yeah. it, it totally most people probably didn't see it as satire even though we we know we discussed the satire of it and how funny yeah. it is but you know you're it's just funny like how he how he brought that even up and yeah and I really appreciated that because that's something we know for sure he really feels you know so that's not made up so that's that's another fun point of this book because you learn a lot about Chandler in it I think I think there's yeah. a lot of truth in like his interludes that well, you know, know as well as as well as made up stuff well. but. Yeah. I can kind of glean some things from what I know, but you know, other things is like, well, that's probably bullshit, but it's funny. So, you know, yeah. throw it in there. What did you think but of yeah. the, um, the Western story itself? Like you got incredibly brutal. It kind of uh, went yeah. more brutal than I was expecting. I really, I really, I really liked that story. Um, I thought, uh, James Barton, the sheriff, even though he was like, horribly uh, addicted to the drugs and probably not the best sheriff. I still think he was a, a somewhat likable character. You know, mm. um, he just was put in a place where he was doing, trying to do a job where like the bear was like stunting it from like doing really. Yeah, his like, hands were tied behind his back for most of the story. Right. The, the problems in BIPOC alley kind of 
he thought the, the mayor thought was somewhat a good thing because it only pertained to mostly the people that live there and to, to let it happen, you know, and then he had this horrible, uh, you know, started with the death of that Jim Ellington and his son Grady at the beginning was the catalyst mm-hmm. where, uh, uh, the Alvitre gang, uh, rolled upon him and mercilessly killed, killed the, you know, killed the father, left the son cause he was hiding. But, that was a whole catalyst of everything. And they, they basically killed him because Felipe is the leader of the gang. And, uh, he hates, he hates like, uh, Americans and, uh, he thinks they're interlopers. They're stealing his land, which, you know, that's rightfully so they were known as Calif, uh, what they call them, uh, when they were like born and bred in California, California or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's what people call them there. Cause they were, you know, they're natives there. And so, you know, that starts the ball rolling. And uh, Grady goes home to his mother. This is one of the Chandler uh, brand check check marks. Uh, He's having an incestuous affair with his mother. Uh, The mother's not sad that the husband died. It means they can now do whatever they want together. And they had a child that ends up uh, as a mutant, some kind of horrible yeah, creature some deformed thing i guess because of the incest i i suppose and it has like a forked tongue clawed spade talons uh, <laughs> sharp teeth and a i guess a very long uh like penis that he's always tugging on and it <laughs> drags behind him like <laughs> so it's just insane and the mob gives grady like some uh, a tincture of like whatever opioids that's popular back then and uh they have sex again and so we already start off with some of the you know the more seedier sides of it before it jumps back proper into uh the western and the interludes um but i thought that was worth mentioning yeah i thought thought that was gross yeah it was a good setup i liked it i liked the fact that you got this kind of almost conventional setup to begin with this like cattle drive sort of thing that then this violent gang sort of attacks like it's good classic western stuff and then you know you're kind of like you're waiting for that scene where the the young kid has to go home to the mum and, and instead of the mum being just grieving like how are we going to get by without your dad like right like, sweet now we can bang all the time and he's not around to stop it like exactly you're like jesus christ okay like that's not where i thought the story was going no. and and that's what the story does quite a bit uh you think you know where it's kind of going to go, but you, you don't. And yeah. that's just like uh, something I really enjoyed about it. Um, but I thought he used um, kind of used sex, right, for that part a lot. Like a lot of what goes kind of twisting and turning with um, Barton is the stuff with Caroline. Like that's when you yes. learn about him. And that's when the story completely changes after what happens with her. And then even within the gang, right, like kind of, you you know something's going on between the younger brother and the sister like as the yes. audience you're privy to that quite early that there's a bit more there so it's yes. kind of like any relationship in this book seems to change the direction of the whole story right exactly and uh i really like the interactions between uh bart and caroline just mm. for the fact that he calls like the other men she's she's a whore for the people that are you know a painted lady you know that's her her job uh and uh Barton's in love with her, like totally head over heels. Um he thinks of her he thinks of himself as more like a suitor that actually mm. has a chance with her, but she lets it known time and time again the fact that he loves her doesn't make him special. She says at one point it just makes you the same as everyone else. Yeah. But she says she's gosh. been isn't it? I love that I love that word. Yeah. Like she's like, I've been with every man here and they may go home to their wives and kiss them goodnight but it's me who they love. And uh, she's full of it. She's very vain. She's beautiful, popular, you know, sexy. She said she has more money than a girl could ever spend, more loving than a girl could ever handle. Um, she's not wanting the sheriff in the way that the sheriff Yeah, no, she uh, made it clear and on, no on certain terms that she doesn't need to be saved. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's looking to save uh, Caroline because uh, Chandler does one of his things where he... Uh, he has a part of the story where you're not quite privy to like everything that's happened. He, he does it a lot um, where he leaves some answers ambiguous where he doesn't tell you things. Um, and what we don't know about Barton is exactly uh, 
why did his wife die? We know that we know later that he did kill her um, because he talks to uh, Chandler's uh, devil character. He plays the piano man in this one, um, mm. who probably is the devil. He knows things that people don't know. He brings up things from the future. Um, he knows everything there is to know about a person. Um, but uh, he definitely killed his wife. We we don't know exactly why, but the piano man says, "Well, with what she did." We don't. I I would blame you. So we know it probably was something bad. Maybe killed a possible kid is what I thought that they were going to have a child. I don't know. Like I said, they, he he leaves that ambiguous, and uh, he's uh, constantly haunted by her uh, her uh, specter, her ghost. Where uh, these amazing scenes of her dead body in a wedding gown creeps out at night and like makes love to him or talks to him and like just visits with him is after he's like really trashed is just like really creepy and right, interesting yeah. the way like she'll pluck a, a centipede out of her eye and eat it or just all this like gross cool imagery and it's just really neat um it's just neat stuff but it doesn't give you any answers to that so you're kind of left wondering and i still wonder like well what exactly but we'll never know so what did you think of the um Probably the most, well, one of the two kind of big scenes in the book of uh, Caroline getting destroyed by Brown. Like, oh, man, I'll tell you Were what, you expecting we... it to be as brutal, or um, did you think he I went didn't... even further than you would have thought? I was excited for that scene, which makes <laughs> me out to be a bad person, but uh, That's why we the, minute, the minute Barton like, was like, you don't want her. She she has the clap, and like the 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 whore master says, none of none of my women are clappy and all this <laughs> funny stuff, and like David gets you know like all up in it, sniffs it, like all this other crazy stuff, puts a hand gloved hand up in there, is like is like oh what are you sweet on her? And like that as soon as he figured out, uh, Brown figured out yeah. that the sweet on her, I knew Caroline was in the biggest world of shit, and. And just before we get to that awesome scene is like just how cool of a bad guy uh, Brown is a badass mm. from the get go when he gets in like so and you don't want to mess with like but he he's a bad in. guy that's been brought in as the good guy but everyone right. knows he's the bad guy like exactly he's a very cool character yeah he is very cool um he brings up neat stuff like where Chandler like incorporates uh David Brown's character in like Blood Meridian because he brings up like hanging out with the judge judge holden and that was the character from cormac mccarthy's blood meridian and uh that gang uh, he brings up let me uh let me look that up real fast but uh oh gosh of course i got like a million notes but if we <laughs> find it I'll, I'll round about to it but yeah it was cool like having like that other world like part of another author's world i thought mm. was genius and um yeah well, he's but, already being meta as well yeah exactly like he's <clears throat> like from another world either from the first of the book so when he takes caroline upstairs um we uh i think everyone as the reader knows like this is not gonna go well so he gets her in there and um you know makes her a dress you know he's smoking cigarettes and flicking like matches off of her burning her flesh at first and you're like oh well, that's not so bad but it gets way worse <laughs> than that doesn't it so it does um i think uh i want did i write down um you may want to talk a little bit about while i find this part because i think it's i think it's pretty cool yeah i was um, just um I wasn't expecting it to be quite as brutal. Like, I was expecting her to get kind of destroyed, but for it to be as kind of graphic as it was, and then you remember dead inside, and you're like, oh, yeah, he can do this shit. Like, he doesn't mind. No, and that's that's why I love that, because it's like, it goes so over the top. Um, it does. I think purposefully so, right? Like, it felt... Like there's like nasty scenes in the book, but this one and the other one a bit later with the Indian with the uh, gang girl. Like, oh yeah, both those scenes are so so over the top compared to everything else. That it just feels like that extra brutality had to be there for a good reason. Yeah, or for a because, fun reason. Oh yeah, because that I I feel like that second part by gave it a run for its money. Um, 
because man, oh man, that is that is some violent stuff. Well, I can't, of course. Uh, okay. Well, he starts off with the the matches, and then he like punches her repeatedly in the face. He then next takes a cigarette and burns out her eye, one of her eyeballs with it, and then he gives her. Uh, I wrote a harsh throat fucking. <laughs> <laughs> And just when you don't think it gets worse, he throws her onto the bed, onto her stomach, and he goes to enter into her, like, uh, from behind. And he, uh, his penis is way too big. Um, so in order to do that, he takes his buck knife from his pants and cuts a huge slit into her anus mm-hmm. to allow himself to fit into her. And then when he's, when he's finishes, he takes it out, finishes off in her mouth, and then takes a wad of money in a bag of, of coins and throws it directly into her face and says he'll send up a doctor. <laughs> and that's the scene. And that's me just glossing over what he does. Uh, yeah, the see, scene... the bit that caught me off guard was the eyeball bit. Like, obviously, yeah. the, the kind of rape stuff's disgusting or whatever. But, like, the eyeball's the bit where I was like, oh, okay, I'm surprised he done that. Like, because it was, like, not sexual. It was just, no, it was cruel. Like the rest of it, you're like, okay, that's disgusting and vile and okay, funny to a degree because he's going too fucking far and it makes the scene kind of work. But yeah, it was the eyeball stuff where I was like, oh shit, this scene's not going to go how I thought. Like he's actually going to absolutely destroy her because, you know, I I don't know, maybe if he went to fuck the eye socket, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But the fact that he just wanted to burn it and hurt her was like, oh shit, like this is different. And I, and I think that was kind of the way, like, when he uh, first took her into the room, he was like, well, I'm going to hurt you. And she was yeah, like, I, I thought, she was like, I thought so. And he goes, but I'm going to pay you for it. She was like, well, I would hope so. But then at the yeah. end, he goes, well, maybe uh, if it wasn't for your, your sheriff, I wouldn't have hurt you so bad. So yeah. maybe the eye part was just an added cruelty because it just disfigured her face. And she was vain. So, like, you know. I don't well, that's know. it. That, that's the bit that I was like, because there's no coming back, right? right. Like, fucking You're... her up a little bit. Like, she heal over time and she's made some money. But he, yeah, made, no sure it was, he made sure it was permanent life-ending damage, which was yeah. the bit that caught me off guard. I was like, oh, shit, like, that is a bit more. <laughs> yeah, and I really like when uh, this kind of jumps, it, it, it goes with the scene, but not. But, like, later when uh, Barton goes to the Sierra and the, the doctor's like, trying to get him not to mm. and uh, he decides to go in anyway and like this quote is just this perfectly encapsula- encapsulates how crazy the old west was and the, the doctor tells barton try to remember sheriff she's only a woman <laughs> and like that's just the craziest thing like they're they're, they're like cattle you know so yeah. it's just a woman you know so deadpan after as the reader you've just had to like listen to what's happened well, read what's happened to her right the absolute brutality and it's like nah it's fine <laughs> yeah but that scene's crazy and then the scene that goes after that later when bart uh when bart goes back to her but uh that kind of goes a little bit further down because uh i think uh when they meet again and like she's horribly disfigured and like as much as you thought well bart loves her no matter what you know she's so disfigured and her beauty's taken away it's like as much as he did love her, it's like it's not the same anymore. It's polluted, and it reminded me of like a really good quote from Chuck Palahniuk in uh, *Invisible Monsters*, and I even used it in a book where he wrote, "No matter how much you think you love somebody, you'll step back when the pull of their blood edges up too close." Mm-hmm. And I think that really perfectly does that because she's she's wanting to die. The no. doctor left him something like his drugs. It's um, to take intravenously and uh caroline's like do me in to, for, for the girl you used to love like just a couple of hours ago you know and it's a sad scene and uh she's wanting him to use the 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 drugs to overdose her because she's little and uh she's she's not doing well anyway uh she may or may not live anyway but uh so instead he uh chooses to uh suffocate her with a pillow <laughs> in a very long <laughs> slow horrible death <laughs> And then in turn, he takes the drugs to like deal with what he just did. It passes out, so mm. which is totally a Barton thing that he would do since he's so like 
hooked on all of the drugs, the alcohol, everything. So, and we also know how much he he really did care about her. But yeah, like I said, uh, he took away her beauty, and then she she wasn't anything to him anymore, which is kind of kind of sad if you think about it. Yeah, no, it was a yeah, that was a tough scene. That one, I thought, like it really was because it makes you. They said I was quite kind of on Barton's side for a lot of it, but that scene was definitely like, okay, like you probably shouldn't have done it like that. Like, yeah, I'll just take her drugs. Like, that's literally for her. And yeah, like, no, and, I'm just going to suffocate you with a pillow instead. That, right. anyway, that's like you've just been through enough, but like, I need the drugs now, right. <laughs> and he tries to tell the the piano player devil characters, like, oh, yeah. I did what she wanted. And he's like, well. <laughs> Hardly sure she wanted it that way. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. knows everything, and Barton's trying to lie to him, and it's like just funny. He's like, "Well, okay, but you don't got to lie to me, Sheriff. I, you know, I know everything." So I know things. Well, yeah. I like that part too. Yeah. And then, whereabouts are we now? I think if we, what did you think of Grady and his mob when uh, he decides to like end their lives? What did you think of that scene? Um, yeah, I was kind of just, um, I was just waiting to see what he was going to do with the baby, really. Right. Because <laughs> like, he, th- he had threatened to kill it one day. Yeah, he promised the little fuck that he was going to go back and kill him. So I was kind of like, oh, are we going to get to see that? Like, because I honestly, I thought Brown was just going to fucking kill Grady the minute he went near him. Oh, yeah. But they ended up having this, well, not yeah, friendship, kinda like but kind of like kind of an alliance of some kind. Like, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was expecting the mom to get it pretty bad, and yeah, and the baby because he wasn't going to let that little thing live. Right. I felt like the mom got it worse because uh, Grady just—I uh, wrote—he pistol whipped—he pistol whipped his mother until her head was splayed open, and braids came out through gelatinous rivers through <laughs> locks of her hair. I love that. That's such a good line. But. uh then he shot shot the little baby until uh, the, the chamber was empty. But <laughs> then I guess he made it his uh, on his way to like uh, Benji's dad and like join uh, join Brown's gang and hunt them mm. down. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. the shootout as well. I thought that was kind of interesting. The fact that you had the dynamics of the gang at the time, they just kind of fallen apart, and the uh, the piano guy did he interfere? Was it him that? Kind of um, he, to talk to Martin. He yeah he he talked he talked to one of the boys to get him to uh to maybe uh, go against Felipe's wishes. Yeah, like uh, he said, there's no dignity in dying, is what he told him. Mm. Told uh, told him, and uh, Felipe kind of mirrors something similar that jogs his memory into remembering that. So I think that's why he kind of uh, he decided to take it upon himself to like give up, give him up. You know what I mean? So. We, but that didn't turn out too great for him either. Yeah, well, for anyone, no. No, uh, Brown wasn't really wanting to keep anyone alive unless he had to, <laughs> I think. So that was just his character. They did do a, a fun kind of before that also. What did you think of the interlude where the fan mistakes Chandler for John Wayne uh, Calamalli? Oh, what did you think I of that? That, that was, was pretty funny, right? <laughs> it was funny because I just read John Wayne's Splatter Western as well, which is only like the last one that come out. So uh-huh. it's like five, like three years on or something. So, yeah, it was quite funny the fact that I just read John Wayne's Splatter Western and then he got a mention in this book. I knew something was coming, you know, when you're just like, it's too arrogant to just write in, like this fan's like wanting you in the middle of the supermarket or whatever. Right. I was like, would even Chandler push it like that on the meta side of things? And then by the end of the scene, he's like, oh, I fucked her anyway. And then just cried afterwards. Or that <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he said he had a, what was it? Yeah. Came painfully in her hand. It's <laughs> 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 like it wasn't even fun. And then he ran yeah. off crying. <laughs> oh, it was just so funny. Yeah. Uh, Brown mentions John Glanton, the, the gag that I was talking about. I finally got to it. But uh, right. that that's also uh, a Blood Meridian reference, which I thought was cool. <clears throat> And yeah, then, and, uh, um, yeah, no, the supermarket stuff I really liked. I thought it was because um, I don't really know overly what Chandler looks like. I've only seen like one or two pictures of him. Where John Wayne, I know, looks you know, I've 
seen loads of his stuff and loads of his oh, work yeah. and been on his podcast and everything. So, like, in my head, they don't look anything alike either. And they like, don't. Not even close. <laughs> like, in fact, I'd That's say John's, like, the mirror opposite, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, Chandler dresses and acts like he's you think you would like with Gucci glasses, you know, yeah, nice tailored suit, you know, looking sharp. <laughs> you know, a punk band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and he looks like a, a, a rocker. So it's like totally polar opposites. So that's, what's funny about that. But yeah. Even writing wise, I think it's funny because they don't write anything alike, like not even close. Like, so yeah, I just, I thought it was quite, I liked the little aside where he's like, John's a friend. Like, so, you know, I didn't mind that. <laughs> he was like, but but our but our writing style is nothing alike. <laughs> we don't look alike. Yeah, it was for the book Sinkhole, which made me kind of interested in seeing what that book was about. That was the yeah, book uh, with the purple yeah. cover. Yeah, yeah, he's got a different cover to it now. I kind of missed the purple cover. I understand why he changed it, but yeah, yeah I like that old purple cover. It's quite a fun. It just looks that's... like a kid's book, even though it's nasty. Yeah, because that's the one with the bus on it, right? School bus yeah. or something. Okay. Bus of little kids, uh, gotcha. zombified sort of thing. Okay, because I haven't read it, but it definitely made me kind of interested in checking it out one day. Oh, it's a good book. It's quite a quick read. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite fun. It's not my favorite of John's, like Deadline's amazing, but yeah, Sinkhole's a good fun book. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it definitely made me uh, curious about it, though, and I thought that was just a, a fun scene that I wanted to include pretty much all the interludes i thought were, were enjoyable and worth mentioning yeah i like the um the david lynch one as well yeah yeah he stole it stole it from his friend like he was like oh i'm gonna use that <laughs> and like i like how like other characters like he, he's sleeping with or something like came up with like lies like you taste of regret and he's like oh another good one and he writes it down, <laughs> like, to use later and like he actually uh uh he actually responds to like one of the girls with with a direct quote from something Barton said to uh to like Caroline, which I yeah, thought was it's... funny, but I can't quite remember what it was. He says something moment. about quote in his own book, doesn't he? It's right, like, right. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like how like the book blurs into his real 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 yeah. life, which I think is interesting. I really like that. And we kind of get to the the point like where you were alluding to uh uh where uh Felipe murders his brother by slitting his throat when he find out they were having like together hmm. and he also uh scalps them before sending off yeah it's pretty brutal scene because they're still in the middle of like sex if i'm not mistaken like and he's coming while he's killing his his brother it's it's a weird uh kind of strange gory scene well because you that... learn afterwards as well that martin watched it so it's like Felipe is like forcing his brother and his girlfriend to basically carry on fucking why he watches yeah. them while the other friend is watching him watch them. Yeah, because because yeah. he's getting a Lindsay uh, uh, from behind and he's getting her from the front. That's what, how he's able to kill him yeah. like that. And it's such a crazy scene. And that's when he sends her away uh, nude. Yeah, it turns out that's not the worst thing that happened to her that day. <laughs> no, that's like the best thing probably compared. <laughs> yeah, so he sends her away totally nude, shivering into the night. And uh, she 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 walks around forever, and she finally comes to like this encampment, I guess, of mm. Indians. Uh, and the women there kind of notice that this nude girl, and they take her in. They take her to these like I don't know if they're shaman or it's these three three guys smoking these uh, drugs. Everyone's everyone's into drugs, <laughs> you know, in, in this book. Um, and so they basically do some of the most horrible stuff in this book to this character and i actually uh i'll have you talk some about it and then like i actually did a, a quote of like the most i felt heinous part but also the most brilliant part of this book like in terms of like just non-stop horrific gore that really made a lot of people that read this book call him out for misogyny um this and caroline no doubt uh people mm -hmm. that and and I can understand how like a reviewer could see that, but it's like, I. It's the old west. Yes, it's the old west. Uh, people people were, you know, not worth anything. Like except what can you're you're a tool or you're an object, you know. Um, 
and I get that. And like to like people nowadays probably read that it's like, well, this guy obviously hates women, but that's not the case, you know. I mean, it's just uh, ugly violence, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything except what it is. It's just it's just violence, and that's how the old days were. So yeah. I just think even that's if the old days, kid. even if the old days weren't like that, at this point, like within cinema and books, yes. it's been made that. So yeah, even, if you yeah, don't incorporate even, even that the, stuff, <laughs> you lie into the actual kind of what the genre is now. Right, exactly. So even if the West wasn't like that, in everyone's mind, it is because of yeah, film. exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, it's a great scene uh, <laughs> for gore fans. Um, <laughs> I think so. Uh, what did you think of it before I kind of ramble into like the details of it? Yeah, no, I thought it was um, it was pretty fucking nasty. Like, yeah, they just kind of, I don't know. Again, I think that I wasn't quite expecting it. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting her to be saved or anything. But compared to what some of the other characters had done in the book, she wasn't exactly the most guilty of characters. No, and. Yeah, you kind of figure what Felipe done to her already and sending her off like this is kind of her punishment. I was almost not expecting to see the character again, like for her just to kind of walk off and be done. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Like it just would like that storyline would just peter out. She'd Mm. die out the out the desert or something. Yeah. Uh, So I was shocked. Unfortunately for her, she didn't die out in the desert. Yes, she she died probably the worst, uh, probably one of the worst ways I've ever read a character in a, in a book die. Um, I can say it's up there with some pretty pretty brutal uh, work. So um, basically, the setup of this was like they begin the shaman or whatever they're the, the, the Indians. They begin to cut her up and down her abdomen. Uh, all three of them uh, numerously take take her, have sex with her over and over again, continuously, um, till uh, it's written semen was pooling between her legs. And then it says between turns they would cut her with the knife, drawing away long strips of skin and pressing them to their bodies, where they stuck as if glued. She finally regained her voice when they removed her lips and scooped out her eyes, and she shrieked with a terrific, piercing frenzy that did not at all face her tormentors. She did not screaming until one of them cut out her tongue and ate it, his face ever stoic as he chewed with grinding determination. When they grew tired of fucking her, one of them cut a long slice just below her navel and began withdrawing various clumps of organs from her belly, which he mashed into hard, small blobs with his powerful hands and forced them into her bleeding mouth. She died at some point during all of this, but it was hours before they were through with her. <laughs> and that is brutal as hell. Yeah. I love the finish of that bit. Where they're like, no, yes. they didn't really recognize that she died. They they were just in the they, they were they were they were they were in, in their drug haze. They didn't yeah. even care. Which that scene leads right to dad disapproves the, <laughs> the interlude number nine, which I thought was really funny. Kind of like a, where uh, Chandler's dad's kind of teased them about him staying on brand to appease yeah. his fans. And he's like, what, all six fans? <laughs> and, and he's like, fuck you, dad. I've got more than six fans. And he's like, well, what is it now, 10? So it's just some good uh, playful banter between, I don't know if his father even ever said that, but I can kind of see maybe his dad saying some <laughs> shit like that. And uh, yeah. he's like, you really got something good here. It could be even great, but you've got all this unnecessary violence in it that does nothing for it. And he's like, what's up with all this rape? How about try and write, it, write a book without rape in it? This <laughs> is his dad goes on and on. He's like, you wouldn't understand that. I'm expecting <laughs> to do this. And <laughs> It's just a really funny That's scene. That's my brand. Where, yep, he he's really taken that my brand to heart. So I really like. Doesn't that part. he? Oh, what is it? He causes brand at some point. Does he give it a name? Why is oh, glamour God. punk in my head? Glamour punk was uh, something someone brings up, but I thought it was uh, the I almost call her a character. She's a real person. Autumn Christian is a friend of his in real life, and uh, I think she calls it the glamour punk shtick. Yeah, and uh, she yeah. says you'll get it by default with the interlude chapters, but not with the not with the Western part, which I thought was funny. Yeah. But uh, 
that had to be it, but I kind of felt like there was maybe another way, but I can't uh, recall it if there was. Because we didn't mention as well that you had the dead inside skeleton talking to him oh, at some point. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful part because, yeah, because the dead inside poster, the skeleton constantly mocks Chandler in the book <laughs> at two different times. Like, you're, you'll only ever be me and this and that. <laughs> like, uh, you're becoming a hack and like this and that. But he's like, I have my Until the Dawn poster, which I think is a better book than Dead Inside, and my Along the Path of Torment poster, which is infinitely better than both, but they never say anything to me. And he said it's only <laughs> the Dead Inside poster that talks to him. So I like that because he's yeah. somewhat probably like I'm sad that my 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 best book is also the book I probably thought wouldn't be anything. The band assume, that doesn't want to play the classic that. song. Right, because, you know. So we got others. <laughs> Right. It's like, why do you all just want this? It's like, I have this. And it's like, well, we like this. So yeah. I thought that was really funny. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have kicked myself if we would have did the whole episode <laughs> and not mentioned that because I think that's funny. I like yeah. that the, the skeleton talks. Because well, it's what he's playing up to as well, right? When he's talking about being on brand, it's all dead inside. It's yes. not really his other work. And, and like, dead he's inside. He's got stuff within that, but obviously yeah. dead inside's the one that went too far with the gore and that's what he's yes. trying to recreate here and it's important because i think dead inside also he pays lovely loving tribute to it at the end of the book the tr the true end of the book not the western part but the the meta side and we'll mm. get to that what he does at the ending then but um that always brings the 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 chapter where <laughs> Where he's gearing down to like the final showdown and getting this book written and it's the episode or episode ish uh, it's called it's chandler bitch where he's mm -hmm. like getting like he's nude rubbing his body in oil <laughs> and he's got the cap gun and he's singing madonna or maybe it wasn't madonna, someone walks in on him wasn't it? yeah and he freezes and he's like <laughs> uh how are you in here and it's like uh, you it gave me a key Brit <laughs> it was britney spears i think yes it's brit yep yep thank yes. you it was britney spears yeah and I love that scene because I, I can kind of see that actually happening. Like, <laughs> it made me laugh really hard in my head when I was reading it. Like how he's talking about how like you're a beautiful specimen. You're the most gorgeous writer of your generation. And all this <laughs> really fun, egotistical shit. And uh, just so funny. But then so like utterly demoralized when someone walks in out of and uh, <laughs> sees all this craziness. He's like, it's just part of like how I, I write. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> and I think that's just so fun Let's see there's a we have a well, where are we at now we have it where now uh i guess we kind of glossed over there's a lot of problems with bipoc alley i guess uh, because mm. they were they were regulated by the mayor to not uh really interfere with them so yeah. they're gearing up now after that scene uh the big showdown uh, everything's coming to a head. We've got riots coming. Uh, Barton has brought Felipe. Uh, mm. We need to probably gloss back to that because there was a pretty cool uh, shootout with uh, David Brown and his people, which kind of becomes anticlimactic because uh, is it Martin? Or how do you say his name? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just kind of said it as Martin. But... We'll just say Martin. as. Yeah. Uh, he uh, chooses to listen to the piano man because he gets visited by the piano man and uh, says fun stuff like uh, Felipe's gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and yeah. like some other funny stuff that wouldn't have been around. But then and he's like, what's cuckoo? What? What's what's that? <laughs> and he's like, never mind. Don't worry about it. And he basically tells him that uh, you shouldn't follow Felipe where he's going because it's it's a it's a losing battle and uh, it's not worth dying for. So. He takes it upon himself to knock out Felipe and like hand them off, even though they had the high ground. And like Felipe is a hell of a shot. He uh, it's a super crack they shot. Pretty so. much out of bullets though at that point. Yeah, that is true. Uh, even though they were scared to like approach, they didn't have any bullets uh, to really wage any more of a war than they did. So uh, he uh, brings Felipe to him because he knows that a, a a live prisoner is worth more monetarily than a dead one. Uh, yeah. and once he's uh, Brown sees that he just shoots the kid, takes uh, Felipe back to town and uh, to jail. And that is when we were getting at is when 
the riots erupting with BIPOC Alley. Also, people mad about uh, the Alvitre gag. Uh, they want justice. They want to hang them. They, uh, they're going to take it upon themselves because Grady, uh, he also listened to the devil piano man character and uh, he wanted him to hype people up to get the kind of uh, justice his father deserved because there was yeah. talks that he might walk or not die. So he took it upon himself to get everyone riled up and he immediately regrets it because the whole town's burning. Uh, people yeah, are getting killed. It just turns into a full-on riot. Yeah. Full-on horror show, like the people with special needs, individuals. <laughs> like one of them says he's walking around with a child's head filleting himself. Uh, just manic, horses on fire, burning up, people getting killed, shot, looting, everything you can imagine. And uh, they're steadily uh, making their way to the to the prison, to the jail with Barton. And um, there's a huge, magnificent fight with Brown and Barton that goes just about as shitty for Barton as you would have expected. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that... What did you think of that? I like that it was just as expected, right? Like, it was like, yeah, you want Barton to win, but you're like, you're not going to beat this dude. Like, this dude's a monster. Like, it's not... It's not a fight. No, because it's it's not fair because he's like a giant of a man. It explains like pretty much everything. Uh, Powerful, strong. uh, Just destroys Barton as Mm. in the process of uh, choking him to death. Um, It shows like Barton tries to battle him for as long as he can. And then slowly he's like dying and he just accepts it. And uh, Mm. he gets one saving grace. uh, And that was... uh, it's kind of anticlimactic because Grady ends up shooting uh, Brown and Grady, we glossed over that, was also uh, shot in the net. But I can't remember how or I think he just did some friendly fire. So he's dying as well. And he regrets starting all this. And, you know, him and uh, Barton have like a kind of a cool conversation about like how they'll remember it one day and like regret whatever they, they did. Kind of like just how like the, the, the mob mentality just overruled yeah. everything. And I thought that was like a kind of a poignant, cool story. Um, then of course, uh, Grady dies, which just leaves Barton uh, at the jail with Felipe with an ensuing mob coming to possibly kill both of them. Um, it's a very real possibility that they're going to kill the sheriff as well. Uh, they I leave think that so. part. Yeah. yeah. That and was my reading of it was the yeah. sheriff's going to get killed. Yeah, because Felipe was like, ah, oh, they want you too, gringo. All your, mm. uh, what is it, smoke and fire is all you're going to be known for now. And, you know, they're having this kind of back and forth and kind of an understanding between one another. And, like, um, it kind of just ends that way. Uh, but he has one uh, final question that he wants to know of Felipe. Is like, why he understood everything that happened except in the beginning, why he chose, why did he kill this Jim Ellington, uh, what was what was the reasoning behind it? Uh, you know, what was the purpose? What was the grand scheme of it? And uh, he uh, says something in Spanish, and uh, I forget what uh, exactly the wording of it was, but the translation is because he was American, and that's how the mm-hmm. book, the Western part of the book ends. Uh, so what did you think of that? That the only reasoning was just because basically they were probably just interlopers stealing their land and uh Porque uh Porque era Americano. And that means mm. because he was American. So Yeah, no, I thought that I wasn't expecting it to be some big grand thing, to be honest. Like they just seemed like a gang that was just out to cause shit, right? Right. Yeah, I like, wouldn't so have thought I wasn't it was... I wouldn't have thought it'd be some big meaning. Like I wasn't and Barton asked him, I was expecting him just to be like, well, why wouldn't I? Like, which is pretty much thought, what he said. Right. And I kind of thought it'd be like one of those ambiguous things where he just wouldn't give him the satisfaction because he was, you know, he said, oh, I don't have to tell you anything. And he was like, well, you can decide if you want to or not. And so yeah. you kind of get I'm the I'm not feeling sure if like, he did give him the satisfaction. Could Barton speak Spanish? I can't remember. I don't know. Because, yeah, so, that's yeah. how the book ends. Yeah. And I don't. And remember, he has to have that uh, newspaper guy Farrington uh, translate when they go to the yeah the Alvitre boys' the house because yeah. yeah. he doesn't know any Spanish. So that's yeah, probably so, even yeah he doesn't better anyway. because yeah. he won't even know what that means. 
So that's, awesome. that's actually monster. a good point. I can't, yeah. I didn't even think of it like that. You're right. That's awesome. <laughs> and then it goes to the, <laughs> the interlude ending, the and, the ending. Yeah. And, and, and that's a freaking hoot. And, uh, I went ahead and, uh, included like the final part of what he says. Cause I just think it's, it's, it's pretty damn awesome. Uh, it says, uh, he ends it like that. He kind of just says, you know, the book's finished. It's not my best ending, but it's not my worst. You know, you know, that goes, that, that award goes to along the path of torment as my best ending. And then he, uh, gets up from his table and he goes, I deserve a treat. So I go into the kitchen and take the fetus out of the freezer and I stick mm-hmm. it in the microwave. I peer at, I peer at it through the window on the microwave door, smoking silently, only taking it out after the eyes have popped and the flesh has started to bubble. I crush out the cigarette and eat the baby over the sink, making a bit of a mess. The blood is a sickly brown color on the steel basin of the sink. Hunks of gore fall into the drain. When I've eaten my fill, I stuff the remnants into the trash can and then flick on the garbage disposal. Wincing at the good old grinding noises it makes as it chops up the clogged pieces of fetus. After a few moments, I flick it back off, mop my face with a paper towel, and go to the bedroom. The girl from Monterey is lying naked on my bed. Her eyes are open. Her tan skin's gone pale. A faint smell of rot wafts from her body. The sheets are stained crimson. I don't remember killing her. She may have killed herself for all I know. I don't even remember seeing her since she walked in on my little dance routine. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. All that matters is she's dead and she's waiting for me. I unbuckle my Versace belt, let my jeans fall to the floor. All right. I say to the dead girl, sighing heavily, let's give the fans what they want. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it ends. And oh, yeah, I yeah. love that ending because it full circle, uh, dead inside ending if you ever heard of <laughs> of one before so I just like how he ended it in such a way like he's known for that book and people probably think he's a, a necrophile and a, an eater of dead <laughs> I'm, a baby eater. <laughs> I'm a baby eater <laughs> so yeah what did you think of that ending of how he, how he chose it. to end it I loved it I thought it was great and it serves a right for walking in on him while he's dancing to Britney like yeah it's like you that's can't rude. just do that yeah no, yeah, I thought it was great. I, agree. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, I thought it was just a nice little kind of like extra little bit where you weren't expecting, like just to acknowledge that oh, it's an okay ending, not brilliant. And then just yeah. go all out. I was like, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I loved it because, like, it was like, well, if you thought maybe the, the Western ending was kind of lame, you yeah. wouldn't think that part was lame. That's like a perfect <laughs> ending because it made me laugh so hard. I was like, yes. I was like, that's how it should have ended. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I think it's like a, it's a great, great book. It's, it needs to be read more. It's, 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 it's definitely probably one of his most unread books, I think. I yeah, I, mean, I, I guess that would just be because it's a bit different, right? Like you don't associate him with Splatter West. He doesn't associate himself with Splatter West, so no yeah. and you would think you would think on paper it's like that will not work that is yeah. a bad idea but he makes it work because he takes his spin on it and creates his version of it he doesn't try to make it like it it, it, it doesn't go with any of the other splatter western books whatsoever that's probably why it's my favorite uh just for the fact that it's so out there kooky yeah. and just like marches to the beat of its own drum and i like that about it it's original you know yeah not that they do. Part, I do like the fact that it does fit in still, though. Like it's different, it's unique to everything else within the Splatter Western, but the Splatter Western side of it is really good. It's a good story, well told, oh, yeah. strong characters, brutally violent. It's got the supernatural elements into it. Like it fits into, you know, I've read about 10 of them and it doesn't, you know, it does that side of it justice. It's just you get that added bonus of the meta chandler sort of stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it special because uh, maybe if you took that out, it'd be a pretty short book. So I don't know if he would have had enough to make like the book. Probably that was his. That I was his know, goal. A couple probably. of them are sh- a couple of them are short. And are they the, the Christopher Triana ones are like four hundred pages? But yeah, I know. There's those some. Are massive, there's right? some others that are like. 70 80 pages like okay well quite, then that, there's quite then a variation that, yeah. yeah 
Because I feel that book would probably be around 70 pages if you if you cut out all that. Yeah, I remember, I think Kenzie Jennings' one wasn't massively long, that Red Station. I think that was, that was a really good book, but I don't think that one was very long. And I think one of the others was relatively short as well. So okay, you, so probably, you probably could have got away with it. It could have got away with it. But I then feel you like that got him dancing to Britney Spears and being nope. mistaken for John Wayne coming out. So. Nope. Or eating babies and <laughs> eating uh, babies, having yeah. sex with dead uh, having sex with dead girls. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, better this way. Yes, I I agree hundred percent. And and it it's more special this way. And I think uh, I think once people start reading it. They'll be like, oh, I love this book. I should have read it a long time ago. But yeah. yeah. So hopefully maybe this podcast can make people that were maybe on the fence uh, definitely check it out. Because even people that do like Chandler's books, some of them haven't even read this book. So Yeah, I would say it's definitely worth a read. I think it's really good and the meta stuff's funny. And yeah, it's it's an odd book because it is brutal in the Western stuff and it is hilarious in the meta stuff. and. Yeah, it's one of those things that on paper probably shouldn't work, but when it's Chandler writing on that paper, he makes it work. Yeah, he's he's, you know, he's like one of one of my favorite writers for a reason. You know, I think I think I think he's got a really powerful style. I think he can he can do a lot of things with it, and yeah, it just shines through in every every book I've basically read. So yeah, I definitely think he's a uh, one of those rare talents as, as a writer, as an author. Um, he just, a clear, powerful style that, that you can tell like that's All right, I know that's him right off the bat, you know? Yeah. And like, it doesn't even matter. All right, you threw me in a Western genre, guess what? It comes off as the same <laughs> as my other books, you know? <laughs> I read that and I was like, that's freaking Chandler all over, even the Western, you know, the aspects of it. So it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's special. That's what makes him, him special. I think so. Yeah, Excellent. it's I definitely a winner. A, yeah, I think so too. I think that's a, probably a good way to finish this first part as well. So yes, we think definitely go out there and have a read of Human Shaped Fiends by John the Morrison, and then if you enjoy it, uh, yeah, go check out the other Splatter westerns as well as Chandler's work as well. Yeah, definitely check out the other. There's plenty of of good ones too. So. Absolutely. You're not gonna you're not gonna have any trouble finding something that is up your alley for sure. Cool. Awesome. Well thank you very much, everyone. And yeah, back part two very shortly. <laughs> <laughs>